0: if you're a regular here on a Sunday night, that you'll know that we've been spending some time in the book of James. And I guess I come to the end of this series with some very mixed emotions. Most of you would know that uh, Murray and I have felt that God has made it pretty clear that it's time for us to move on from lakes. And we'll be finishing up as pastors here at the end of October. What some of you may not know is that Within days of resigning from this job and me starting to look for a full-time nursing job, I received a call out of the blue from a girl that I used to work with years ago and the consequence of that call is that I'm now working, I've just done two weeks of day shifts and starting this week I'll be working evenings. So that's why my emotions are a bit mixed tonight because Whilst I'll still be around until the end of October and Murray will still be here, this is the last week that I'll be here on a Sunday night. And whilst there's a very real sense that God is in control and that his plans and purposes are right and good for all of us, at the same time, I must say I feel a little sad because I'm going to miss you guys. It's been an absolute joy to hang out with you on Sunday nights for what's now been a number of years. I've been so blessed by all of you in so many ways. So we come to the end of the book of James. And I must say I've really enjoyed looking a little bit more closely at this letter written to the first century church. And I think those of you who have been here would agree that many of the issues that they seem to have been facing are very similar to things that we face some 2,000 years later. And tonight's passage is no exception. In it, we find James talking to people whose lives are filled with ups and downs, highs and lows, sickness and health, good times and bad times. And that sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? So let's have a look at what James has to say because his words to those first century Christians as they face the roller coaster of life, I believe that they can help us too. So we're in James chapter 5 and I'm reading from verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So James asks his readers a series of questions. And the first one is this, are any of you suffering hardship Now, right back when we started reading this letter, we talked about the people who James was writing to. Do you remember? The readers of this letter were first century Christians and many of them had been around when Jesus was on earth and they are suffering. Persecution has forced them to flee and scatter. They're facing imprisonment and death because of their faith. And not long after this was written, Emperor Nero, Emperor Nero he actually lit his gardens with torches made of the burning bodies of Christians. These people knew about suffering. Now, we don't suffer like that, do we? There's people in our world right now who are suffering just like that. But we don't here in Australia. But I'm guessing that we do know what it means to suffer hardship. We suffer with illness, with, with difficulties with our work, with lack of work. In relationships, we suffer financial stress. People let us down, people say awful things to us. There's conflict, there's pain, someone you love is in pain. John 16.33 tells us, In this world you will have trouble. And most of us know that to be true. James says, Are you suffering? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. Pray. James says, Is any of you suffering? Then pray. He says, God is, is there. He's in it with you and we need to talk to him. So often we wait, don't we, till we've exhausted every other option before we pray. But James is saying, pray. God wants to hear it all. Tell him how you're feeling. Tell him you think the whole situation stinks, if that's how you're feeling. Ask him to do something about it. Ask him to give you the strength to cope. Ask him to teach you in the midst of what's going on. If you're in trouble, pray. And then James asks another question. Are any of you happy? Have any of you ever had one of those days when everything just seems wonderful? No? You know, you wake up and it's a beautiful day and you seem to notice every flower and every cloud in the sky and you love your family and you love your life Have you ever had a day like that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. James has told us that when we're in trouble, we need to pray. But then he says, on those awesome days, we should pray too. He says, are you happy? Then sing praises. My parents used to have a little cottage in the mountain and just near the door was a sign that says, Peace is seeing a beautiful sunset and knowing who to thank. We don't do it often enough, do we? We pray more readily when we're in trouble. But James is saying, if things are good, if you see a beautiful sunset, if you're happy, sing praises. Thank God. He wants to be part of the good as well as the bad of our lives. Maybe you've just gotten a new job, maybe you've been sick and you're feeling better. Maybe you just got a raise at work or an HD in your latest essay. Maybe you've finally figured out what on earth calculus is all about. Maybe you're happy that you live on the central coast of Australia where you're safe and you're free. Maybe your little baby has just spoken her first words or taken her first few steps. Maybe you're happy because you know what good friends you have around you. God doesn't want to only hear from us when we're telling him about our problems. James says, when things are good, sing praises to God. Thank him. I read a little book a couple of years ago now and um, I've reread it since. It's called A Thousand Gifts by a lady called Anne Voskamp. The lady who wrote it is a mother, a wife, and she's worked as a journalist. She lives in a rural area of America. She went through a terrible time in her life and was really down. And one day a friend challenged her and she said, I bet you can't think of a thousand things to be thankful to God for. Anyway, she decided to try. She bought a little notebook and she started to write a list. And she found that the exercise changed her life. She ended up being thankful and finding joy in areas of her life where she'd never been thankful or found joy before. Listen to some of the things on her list, they're lovely. Number one, morning shadows across old floors. Number two, jam piled high on the toast. 22, mail in the mailbox. 55, long, lisped prayers. 56, kisses in the dark. 119, still warm cookies. 243, clean sheets. Don't you love that when you get into a bed with clean sheets? Twice a year it happens in our house. (laughs) I had to say that before my mum yelled it out. (laughs) That's why we appreciate it so much. 244, hot porridge. 362, rainbow colours as, as the sun reflects on the washing up suds. 664, stockings without ladders. Don't you love that? 721, laughter. I don't usually like the Facebook things where people nominate you to do stuff. I find them a bit annoying usually. But I must say I've quite liked the recent one which was going around where people have been naming five things that they're thankful for. It's five things for five days or something and then they pass it on to someone else. It's actually been really lovely to read people's thankful lists. The challenge is, though, isn't it, to live like that every day, not just for your five days on on Facebook. James says, are you happy? Then praise God. Make an effort to be thankful in everything. I think you'll find that it will really change you if you make an effort to do that. The next question James asks is this, are any of you sick? People in the first century suffered with sickness just like we do and it's interesting what James tells them to do. He says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now some of you may have had prayer for sickness, some of you may have experienced anointing with oil but some of you might not have and you might be thinking, what's What's all that about? What's the anointing with oil business? What does it mean? Why would you do that? Well, anoint really literally means to just smear or rub with oil. And when we do it, when we anoint someone with oil, if we're praying for them when they're sick, we don't do it all the time. But we just get a little bit of oil and place it on their head or on their forehead Doesn't matter what kind of oil you use. It's not special holy oil or anything. In the first century, they probably used olive oil. Um, I I remember Keith used to have a little bottle of fragrant oil that he brought back from Jerusalem. It was this special little bottle of oil. Type of oil doesn't matter because there's nothing special about the oil. It's a symbol. It's just um, there's meaning, and that that meaning is what is significant. There's two aspects to the meaning. Firstly, oil in the first century was considered to have great healing properties. So similar to medicine in our day. So the oil is symbolic of healing. And then what we're doing when we anoint with oil is that we're kind of representing the fact that it's God who is doing the healing. So the oil is a symbol, really. It's a reminder Just like when we have communion, the the bread and the juice are reminders, they're symbols of something that God's doing. So it reminds us that healing comes from God. And we don't need to get legalistic about it. There's nothing to indicate that every time you pray for healing, you must use oil. Because it's not the oil that does the healing, is it? Verse 15 confirms that. It says, when. When the prayer is offered in faith, that's what makes sick people well. It's the Lord who raises them up. The oil is a tool, it's a symbol. It's something to help us understand what we're doing and to remind us that God is the great healer. So that's what it's about when James says anoint with oil. Then he adds another thought. He says, if any of you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, the fact that he's used the word if shows us that sickness isn't always associated with sin. But James is acknowledging that sometimes it is. And we know that to be true. I've seen that in in very powerful ways in the last couple of weeks. People whose bodies are sick because of the sinful choices that they've made For years before. Sometimes, but not always, sickness is the result of our bad choices. And so James is saying, deal with the sin too, if that's what you need to do. So James says, are you in trouble? Are things bad? Pray. Are you happy? Are things great? Pray. Are you sick? Pray. Are you getting the theme? God, God wants to be part of all of our lives. The happy, joyful times, the hard times of suffering, the sickness, as well as the health. Why is that? For two reasons. There's probably more, but two main reasons. The first is because it's about relationship. If you were married to someone and you never shared the joys and the pain of your life with your spouse it wouldn't be very long before there wasn't much of a relationship the second reason is that verse 16 tells us that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I actually still can't get my head around that but for some reason We're commanded to pray and prayer works. There's something that happens when we pray. God commands us to pray and and it produces wonderful results. Things change. People change. Sickness is healed. Jobs are found. Decisions are confirmed. Lessons are learned. Characters are shaped. Prayer actually changes things. So the message at the end of James's letter is pray, pray constantly, pray without ceasing, pray about everything, pray when things are good, pray when things are bad, pray on your own, pray in groups, pray silently, pray out loud, pray with music, pray with dance, if that's the way you do it. But just pray. God commands it. And it changes things. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and it produces wonderful results. So let's do it now. Let's pray. And you know what? I think it would be nice to do it together, to pray together as a group, to open it up, to spend some time praying together as a church family. There's so much that we need to be thankful for. There's so much that we need to pray about. There are people in our, in our church family who are sick. There are people who are grieving. There are people who are struggling. People who are searching for work. There are people in our world who are suffering terribly. The suffering that's going on in parts of our world at the moment is just shocking isn't it we need to pray for our church we need to pray for each other now if you'd prefer to just pray in the quietness of your own heart then that's that's fine I'm happy to just sit in silence for a minute but if you'd like to lead us in prayer that'd be great too so let's pray and I'll close in a few minutes can we do that Okay, let's pray.